In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, welcome to GirlfriendIt Radio. We are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. And today we are sitting here and we are so excited because we have our special guest who is a New York Times best-selling author who has sold over 10 million copies. Apparently, they need to work a little harder on their their marketing strategy. (laughs) (laughs) But it was an unexpected hit called The Shack. William Paul Young has joined us before and has become a friend we love to sit and share a meal with, literally and virtually, and we have done both. Whenever Paul joins us, we feel like we are drinking from a from a fire hose of insights. He's I know just, it just—it's like you just want to—you just want to keep hearing more and sitting and listening to him. All of his ideas, our conversations always leave us thinking differently and wanting more. Not only more time with Paul, but more importantly, more time with Jesus. And so here we go. We're going to be talking about normal, and Paul defies normal definitely. Which is one of the, one of the many reasons why we love hanging with him because we are so not normal. Because we're so normal, and I don't think he's normal, and I, we mean that with the utmost endearingly said, and um, with as a compliment because so many times normal is it's so sterile and it fits in a box. And then what really is normal anyway? We've been having that conversation this week about what makes something normal or somebody normal, and is it rules? Is it whatever? And then we were talking about. As we've been doing things, we're like, okay, that's so not normal. And one of the examples that <laughs> just happened to me just recently at your very house is you were having a graduation party and you had your entire family, which you're, you know, the six brothers and sisters and all their brew was here. And I know, I know your family and I know how you guys are and you love to mock and you love to ridicule. And I just, I feel so accepted a part of that. And I feel like <laughs> another sibling in your, in your family. And I, it was so funny because Nothing, what used to seem abnormal is not so not abnormal anymore to me with your family. I just come to expect it. But I saw your brother um, for the first time talking to your sister in the corner and your brother walks in and I'm like, Phil, and I'm a hugger. And so I go, Phil. And so I go to hug him and he looks at me and he goes, ah, whatever. And he walks right past me and I go, I'm accepted. I mean, I saw that as like an endearing thing, but, but if somebody was watching well, somebody that, was watching yes, that. They it, were. Was, it was funny. Cause they looked at that when they were like, well, that was rude <laughs> from, from seeing it from somebody else's pers- perspective. I'm like, okay, you know, you don't understand my brother. That's a very endearing thing in my family. If you're rejected or mocked, then that means they love you. They would only do it to the ones that they love. <laughs> exactly. And I felt very loved in that and moment. That's normal. That is normal. That to is us. so normal to you guys. It totally is. Well, okay. So another thing we were talking about, this is so silly and 
so insignificant, but we're talking about like sheets. I don't know how that came up in a girlfriend conversation. Like, you know, how often do you change your sheets on your bed? And so that got into a conversation because one of the gals was, it was a college gal and she was like, well, I don't know how many times, I mean, does a semester count or whatever? So we're laughing about that and going, okay, so what's a normal time to change your sheets? And so what is, when do you change? How well, often? It, it is funny because you said that Oprah like literally has her sheets changed every day. I read that. She has her sheets changed every day because she likes that crisp, a crisp sheet, you know, that you get, you get, um, on the bed. She doesn't like to sleep in a bed that has been. Well, and I, I do. I love that when you go to a hotel, cause you get that, you know, that fresh, clean linen, linen crisp. sheet. And you know, Recently, when we've been traveling, you see a little card that says, you know, we're trying to save water. Conserve. And we're going green. <laughs> that whole water conservatory really, like, upsets me because I like my, I feel guilty, but I, I, I do like my nice, clean sheets. That's why you like staying in the, in the yes, hotel. Yes, I like to come back and have my nice, clean, crisp sheets. Yes, that is my, a nice little luxury. So, normal. Really, what is normal? Well, I, I pretty much think that I am normal, but you often tell me that I'm not normal. And that, I think that is where we came up and with. And that's a normal conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, right. we'll, William, we're going to go ahead and just introduce our guest that, that who is not normal to us that we love. And we're, we can't wait to hear more about his, his, um, his life. William Paul Young, as we've already mentioned, lives outside the box labeled normal. And for that, he has come under attack for his views, his ideas, and his belief. But isn't that what happens to not normal people? I mean, that generally, it kind of comes with the territory. And we, well, we can just ask so many questions, but we, we're going to jump right in. Um, it's just interesting because, you know, so many times after that movie came out, The Bucket List, um, there are so many little things that you want to accomplish. Um, and I, I know Paul exceeds so many, um, what, what people have on their bucket list. He's been a best-selling author. He's traveled and speak extensively. He's working on another novel, a devotional, and he's had all kinds of document documentaries. And, um, we are just going to go ahead and jump right in there, Paul, since we're, we're covering your bucket list and see what are, where are you? Well, first of all, we want to welcome you to girlfriend at radio. I, I think that was really <laughs> rude so of her. Excited. She we just jumped like, right ah. in. So welcome. <laughs> you guys are crazy. That's I know, so great. I know you're not going to get a, a word in edgewise because we're just like all over the place. And I know and you we're follow on caffeine us. too. <laughs> That's normal. <laughs> oh, don't you call know, us normal. A lot, I think a lot of times what people mean by normal is what they're accustomed to, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and really there is no definition for normal. It, it just, because what we, what our experiences are, what we tend to think is usual, and uh, and all of us come from different places. So it's really within the crucible of relationship that we find out, hey, you know what? There's no such thing as normal. There is different and unique and varied and wonderfully patterned and uh, eccentric and all kinds of other things, but hardly normal. And, and I don't and have a bucket list. And that's freeing. Just, just that's so freeing know. when you realize that. Uh, Say that again. Ask that story. I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> I got to compete, you know. <laughs> so okay. uh, I don't have a bucket list. But are you where are you where you want to be in life right now? Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, but I was I was at that place before I wrote the shack, so that hasn't changed. So what you're saying is you were where you wanted to be even before you wrote the shack. Yeah, everything that mattered to me was in place before I wrote the shack. The shack hasn't added anything to me in terms of identity or worth or value or significance or security or meaning or purpose. Not one thing. And that's really interesting because last time we had you on the show, um, you made that a comment, exactly what you just said just now. Um, we were talking about so many times we find our identity in in what we do for the Lord. And I was saying, you know, I, I really have, I struggle with that. I, I feel that I, I, sometimes you're not doing enough. I look at, um, as a matter of fact, there, there's a book out right now, Kisses from Katie. And this gal, she went to Uganda, 18 years old, and it's like the Mother Teresa story. I mean, she is just doing amazing things. And it's easy to compare yourself, even though you know that's not right. But you just go, okay, God, I just want to pour myself out. I just want to pour you in and just do incredible God-sized things for you. And so you have a tendency to go, what am I doing for the Lord? And struggling with that, like that's your identity, that you're just not doing enough. And you made that that comment that, you know, no, that Jesus loves you no matter where you are, what you're doing, what you're bringing to the table for him. And I think as women, we really struggle with that. So well, you know, part of it is that you're religious. I mean, you, religion is performance, and religion, I mean, actually don't even need God. I was talking to a, a young man who has no faith background whatsoever, no Jesus in his history. He calls himself part of the family, the poster family for cynicism. And uh, and I said to him, you know, you're very religious. And he, he went, what? I said, yeah, you know, you don't need God to be religious. You know, you just need to you just need to have a set of expectations that you're failing to meet. You know, you need to be performance based, and um, and so to the degree that you feel like you're you're failing a, uh, a set of expectations or all you could be or uh, whatever to that degree, you're religious. And um, and part of, part of the beauty of this is that that you mentioned, I think, two of the big three C's. There's 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 three big P's and three big C's and in a world where uh, religious performance or any kind of performance dominates. And the three C's are competition, comparing, and contrasting. Mm. So when you find yourself comparing yourself to someone, you know you're religious when, in terms of their performance. Mm-hmm. The three P's, which, which actually... Women, generally speaking, find a sense of worth and identity inside relationship, which is more like God than men generally, who find their identity and worth and value and security, etc., inside the three Ps, which are possession, power, and performance. And uh, and the three big Cs, the competition, contrasting, and, and uh, comparing, eventually eventually the Holy Spirit will work it out in our hearts so that it's replaced by just one C, and that's contentment. And the three P's are replaced by uh, presence or presentness. And, um, you know, so we're, we're all religious. We've grown up in a world that's religious. And, and again, it, it, you don't need God, or it doesn't really matter who God is, as long as you have the sense of what you're supposed to be doing. And, and what you're saying I mean, it sounds spiritual, and it sounds 
great. But Jesus says, you know, he says about himself, my burden's easy, my yoke is light. So if ours isn't, we're picking up stuff that doesn't belong to us. Hmm. Well, on that... On that note, we're going to come right back after our commercial break, and we're going to talk a little bit more. You can't just throw out those teasers of three big C's and three big P's and uh, <laughs> not break it down a little bit more than that. So we oh, are no going problem. to go. <laughs> What's that, Paul? I said not a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> okay, good, because we are going to come back after our commercial break with William Paul Young, State Tunes. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Ready for the most current feel-good gossip? Then check out Daytime with Donna with your host, Donna Intercastle. And sidekick Nina Fry. Every Friday afternoon at 2, 1 central on Togginap.com. Donna is a charismatic, market-driven entrepreneur who was part of the team that founded iVillage.com, which is the largest content-driven community for women today. Donna and Nina are here to empower you, motivate you, and encourage you in all aspects of your life. It's like Oprah on the radio. Plus, your chance to win great prizes, all the way up to a $500 Visa gift card. For more on Donna Intracasso, check out her website, introinc.com. Then join us for the show, Daytime with Donna, with your host, Donna Intracasso, and sidekick Nina Fry. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to Girlfriend It with Patty and Lisa. And we are talking with our special guest today, William Paul Young, author of The Shack. And we were discussing the three big C's, competition, comparing, and contrasting. Um, you'll have to tell us a little bit more. Uh, what's the difference between the contrast and the, and the competition? 
Well, competition just—it's just that you find that everybody is, uh, especially if they're in the sort of the same field as you or the same area as you, then you you find yourself inherently competing with them. It's kind of like when uh, you you have a bunch of racehorses and the the lead thoroughbred comes up lame and everybody goes, oh, isn't that too bad? Isn't that so great? You know, because that means I can step up in the rankings or something. Inherently, inside a world of performance, everybody is sort of an enemy and there's an inherent competition. And so uh, the whole world functions like this. So why would it surprise us that the religious world, which is uh, it's just another layer of the other world, it's just with a whole additional set of expectations added on and set of performance requirements added on, that it's actually exactly the same. It's just been baptized. And, uh, and when things are the same in the world and in our religious experience, it should be suspect. And so competition is inherently there. So, you know, religious institutions compete with each other, uh, but you find it right down into your personal lives where there's a sense of, of comparing yourself against somebody else and what they're doing. Oh, look what they're doing, you know, and look what I'm not doing. Or, and it's fundamental legalism is what it is. Because mm. the thing about legalism is how much is enough? So you compare yourself to what? Some idealism about how much prayer is enough or how much reading the Bible is enough or how much quiet mm. time is enough. And you always are going to come up short because nobody has written a definitive manual on how much is enough, mm-hmm. how much faith is enough. And so everything becomes something that you're guilty of achieving. And, and then you begin to look at life and what happens in your life, and it becomes the definition of how well you're doing. So if things are going well, by what standards? By success standards, by notoriety, by fame, by impact, by all these external criteria, then you must be doing something right about your spirituality. And if things are going wrong, like sickness or the failure of a business or a marriage or whatever, then it's, you know, obviously it's your fault because it can't be really God's fault, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just then, this rat, you do it's a rat race. Blaming. Sometimes you Say start again? blaming God, though. You know, within that cynicism... Because you're saying it, you know, it becomes your fault. I, I hear of people going, you know, I've done all these things. I do read my Bible. I do pray. And, and my life still isn't going right. So now it's it's God. It, miracles don't really happen. And I know even in your book, The Shack, when you're talking about, um, I mean, that was some of the criticism was that, um, you know, you're talking about actually experiencing seeing God and other people are going, I never came close to seeing a miracle or uh, having a miracle happen to any of my friends. So therefore, God doesn't really exist right now. Uh, yeah. I, and, you know, a lot of that is not because we want to lay the blame at God's feet. It's because we're so tired of trying to live up to something and so mm-hmm. tired of being failures. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. Why, why do I want to go and be a part of a community of people that tell me that I, you know, that I suck, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the Christian message is, hey, you suck, so go out and suck less, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. 
you know, and uh, and uh, try take another shot at it and see if you can't do better this time. And that's not relationship at all. Right. You actually don't need a relationship with God to be in a religious uh, set of rules. You just need to know what the rules are, and as best you know, your little subculture or whatever. So fundamentally, between quote-unquote Christianity and Islam and Buddhism, it's just that the rules changed. Mm -hmm. That's all. It's got nothing to do with relationships, fundamentally. It's not about God. It's about our ability to do whatever the rules are, to try to achieve a level of spirituality or try to win the affection and approval of whoever that God is out there. Well, you talked, you know, talking about those three C's, you know, and, and how we adapt those in a destructive way. And really our goal is, like you said, the one big C, which is contentment. That is so, sometimes that is very elusive. How do you, can you back into that? How do you start living where you're, you're deleting those, the three, the comparison and, and the competition and, from your life? And you're going, I'm just going to be content where I'm at. And like you talk about the guilt, all that, it kind of, it, it it's a package deal that kind of comes together. How do you start living a life of contentment? Well, contentment is independent of circumstances. Uh, competition, comparing and contrasting is all dependent on circumstances. And contentment is, um, is not just I am content with where I'm at. It's I am content with who I am, even with all of its failures, all of its flaws, who I am. I am coming to be comfortable inside my own skin in the process of coming to healing, and, and I'm not in control. Um, and so let me use a different word for contentment, because uh, contentment has to do with uh, our, our relationship with yourself as, as well as with God. But let me use the word joy. And, and I think we may have talked about this uh, in another time, but, but joy is also independent of circumstance. Happiness is totally dependent on circumstances. Mm-hmm. It comes from the old English word hap, which means luck or chance. So depending on if my luck is good or if my luck is bad, I'll either be happy or unhappy, you know, bad luck or good luck. And, and, but joy is independent. So yeah, let me give you a, the illustration from my life. Back in 2005, for, and I couldn't explain it at the time, and I didn't understand it, but joy became a constant companion. And I never thought that that was possible. Joy had never actually spent the night, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and suddenly joy has, had become a constant companion. And I'm thinking, this is before the shack. So I'm thinking, where's the other shoe going to drop? Because, you know, joy has never stuck around. What's the deal here? Mm-hmm. And for like six months, and finally I tell somebody, a friend of mine who's an artist, and I tell him sad about it. And, and it's kind of like we're at breakfast and it's me, joy, and sad. And I'm kind of whispering to Thad, saying, you know, Joy's been this constant companion for like six months. With, I don't understand. And Thad asks good questions. So he says, so what happened at the beginning of 2005? What happened six months ago that made any change? And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, what did happen? And then I realized, in the beginning of 2005, it was at a point in my own journey of coming to integration, you know, the, the inside world beginning to match the outside world, and me beginning to trust the, the love and the affection of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But mm-hmm. in that journey, I had made a very simple decision, because I was ready to. And 
And I didn't even realize what kind of ripples that that little decision would make. But here's what it was. I had decided to stop what I call future tripping. And future tripping is where you create imaginations about something that is, is not real. It's something that is yet to happen. And they're almost all fear-based. And fear is always in contradiction to love. It's, you know, perfect love that casts out fear. Fear and love are, are opposites. And, and we create these, I had, for most of my life, I created these imaginations of things that were going to happen, like uh, I'd lose my job, or I would, uh, my kids would get sick, or I, you know, I'd even been at my own funeral in my imaginations, and all kinds of things, and all fear-based. And what we do then, we, we imagine this future, and then we drag it into our present, and manipulate the relationships around us out of fear that those things are going to happen to stop them from happening. And it's all about control. So what I was finding, what I, what I found out was, is that I had taken today's grace, because you only get grace for one day. You know, we actually don't know if we'll even be here by tomorrow. I mean, some cell in my brain could go sideways, and this could be the last conversation I ever have on this planet. <laughs> and uh, and um, so... We take today's grace that empowers us to sense his presence and his affection and the love, and, and we spend it on things that don't even exist. And those things freak us out because in those imaginations, we don't look around and go, oh, well, God's here. Well, well, that takes care of that. You know, we're there by ourselves trying to figure out how to keep these things from happening. And then we drag these imaginations into the present and manipulate and coerce and, and shade the truth and whatever we have to do to scramble to control our lives here uh, in the present. And I had stopped doing that. Mm. I had made the decision that, you know what, that is such a waste of time. And, and suddenly Joy was a constant companion. I wrote about this later and I said, you know, I read Joy's blog the other day and Joy wrote, um... You know, back in 2005, Paul started to become a constant companion rather than an occasional acquaintance. See, it wasn't Joy that was leaving. It was me that was running into imaginations that don't Mm -hmm. exist. And God doesn't live in anything that's not real. He lives in me. He lives in the context of this day. So a lot about comparing and contrasting and the lack of contentment is because we actually don't live in the present, in the present. And the verse that pops to mind is, in the presence, or in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. Wow. And so, so again, it's a very simple thing, and actually it's, to live this way is very simple. To the degree there's complexity in your life is to the degree that there are things that are not true. Lies are complex. Mm-hmm. Truth is a person. And he's quite simple. Because this has to work for children, right? Exactly. We're going to have to take a break. That We want to come back and just unpack that a little bit more. Um, that, that's so profound about this truth and living in the present. We'll be right back with Girlfriend at Radio.
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. It's time to awaken your creativity and unlock your greatness by listening to the Nancy Pristine Show every Thursday from noon to 2 Central Time on Togginet.com. Nancy is also known as the Happiness and Well-Being Ambassador. She's an award-winning author and radio talk show host. And every week on the Nancy Pristine Show, you'll hear tips, stories, and tested techniques from celebrities, star athletes, and executive business people. People who have achieved greatness in their field. Everyone deserves the ultimate life. And now you can create your own success story and achieve a brand new you by listening to the Nancy Pristine Show. The intent of the Nancy Pristine Show is to give you everything you need for happiness, well-being, and success. For more on Nancy and the show, check out her website, Nancy Pristine. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E dot com. Then listen up. You will never settle for second best again. You're going to love the Nancy Pristine Show every Thursday from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time on toginet.com. Why do I feel so lousy? Why are my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live on toginet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, solving the connections of autoimmune disease to thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better, to make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. We are talking with William Paul Young, author of the book, The Shack, that sold a mere 10 million copies and was a New York Times bestseller. And you know what? I know that that gives you credibility, but that is not, like you said, that's not what defines you and I love that about you because you said you were content with life before the shock even came out and was this huge success that just really propelled you in so many ways and love it you're you're the same person before the shock as you are right now and you and we know that life radically changed around you but when we went in, before we went to the commercial break we were kind of talking about um just transformation and changing a heart. And let's just kind of talk a little bit more about that and being in the present. And you were, you were saying a lot of different things. I don't even know how to, to, well, to pinpoint exactly. One of the things I'm, I'm just blown away by, cause we're, we're just writing everything that comes out of your mouth. And 
how did you come up with, I mean, what, what point, what happened in your life? Because I know Lisa and I both came from, you know, very strong Christian homes and a little bit of legalism. I think I had more legalism growing up than than you did. And so what you're talking about is, is those are the questions that I've had for so many years. And I really struggle with that evangelical background. And so at what point did you come up with these concepts? Because I struggled with it. And um, my mind didn't go there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's hard to have more legalism than I did. You know, let me just say that. I come from a very conservative, fundamental, evangelical background myself. I'm a preacher's kid, and I'm a missionary kid. And that's Mm -hmm. a kind of a volatile combination uh, to begin with. So, um, you know, uh, I've always, uh, there's always been a desperation inside the brokenness. And... Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I became a performer because it was the only way that I could survive. My, you know, I, my sadnesses include a difficult relationship with my father um, that's reflected in the book and, and also sexual abuse. And that started inside the tribal culture that I grew up in, in the highlands of New Guinea when I was about, started about four and a half years old. And then I go to boarding school at six and, you know, the sexual abuse is perpetrated there and, and, that stuff will shatter your heart, mm-hmm. um, and it'll it'll create a web. Uh, here's here's I use the shack as the house of the soul, the house on the inside, the house of a human heart. That people people help you build that house, and a lot of us we didn't get good help, so it it's not a very hospitable nor habitable place. It is a mm-hmm. it's a shack, and that's the place where we then store our addictions and hide our secrets, and we never want to invite anyone there. And we, and we hate that place, and we think God hates that place. And so what a lot of us do is create a facade on the outside that we hope uh, we can work well enough or hard enough, not to be duplicitous, but we want to put our energy into something that we can paint according to people's expectations. And so we're driven by shame and by loss and a sense of failure and a needing to be significant and important and have meaning associated with us and win the affection and the approval of others Mm -hmm. through performance. And so we create a facade and we can paint it as fast as we can pick up people's expectations. And, but the, the gap between the shack and the facade doesn't go away because our souls are the shack, and and mm. we have to get to the place where we find out that God never has loved the facade. He's always been in love with the shack, because mm-hmm. that's us. That's our own soul. And that's part of the beauty of this journey, as difficult as it is. And it is not an easy process. I was telling you that my uh, Mackenzie's weekend in the book, it represents 11 years of my life where everything just got, the facade came down is what really mm-hmm. happened. And everything got torn to shreds. And it was, I either find life and change or, you know, my own, my only destiny is to hurt people and hurt myself. And I'm done with that. So, you know, that kind of a dismantling process is, is at the core of who I am now and and underlies the entire book. And so, uh, you know, the soul is, is this 
unbelievably beautiful, intricately designed, wondrous creation. I mean, it's a it's an entire expanding universe. Every human being is this unbelievable creation, and we have so little disrespect, so little respect um, in comparison to God's respect. God has huge respect for the human creation. God. He never uses anybody. Nobody's ever a tool. Um, religion uses all those languages, uh, that kind of language, because it, it helps us accomplish our performance. And so we think of God using us. Yeah, I'm, I'm an abuse survivor. I know now. God doesn't use anybody. And, um, and you don't have a relationship with tools. And everything is about relationship when it comes to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the transformation of the soul this house on the inside, is what God is after. He climbs inside our shacks to heal us from the inside. Mm. And that's fundamentally the story. And that's, that's a miracle. Any transformational change at the core of a human being, that's something that is way beyond biological. And raising the dead is nothing compared to a transformation of a human heart. Mm-hmm. Such a radical thing that when you were talking about, you know, I love that God climbs inside the shack um, to heal us. Um, you, I was reading something the other day and it was talking about, you know, it, it, somebody was at a conference and they said, write down that question you want to ask God that you're so afraid to ask. And people were writing it and sending it in and whatever. And the, one of the number one questions is that people wanted to ask God, but they're afraid to is, God, are you really good? And that seems really simplistic, and it seems like, well, yeah, he's good. But it, like what you're saying, we've had so many different life experiences or abuse. We don't even think we are good. So how can we think that God is good? And then how can we believe that God really loves us for who we are inside that shack? I don't know if that makes yeah. sense, but I think it's really hard to wrap our heads, our hearts, our souls around that, that God really is a good God, and God really loves us that person that's inside the shack. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, a lot of us, we don't know how to trust anybody. And Mm -hmm. the issue is one of trust. And here's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion is about trying to please God. Relationship is learning to trust God. See, trying to please God isn't about God at all. It's about you. It's about your ability to do whatever the rules are or whatever the expectations are. And, and so it really doesn't matter who the God is as long as, you know, there's a set of rules. And, uh, but learning to trust God, I mean, you cannot. And religion will teach you how to use language that masks the reality of, of your experience. So it'll teach you to use the language of trust. And it'll say, just repeat that you trust God and repeat it enough and you will. Mm-hmm. And it's not true, because you cannot trust someone that you don't know loves you. Mm-hmm. And you cannot trust a God who is not good all the time. But sometimes this God plans and instigates and is the causal agent of things that aren't good. And we give him a pass by saying, oh, it's because he can make all things work together for good. Mm-hmm. And we implicitly make him sometimes bad or sometimes the perpetrator of evil for a good reason. Even though philosophically we say that the end never justifies the means. Somehow God gets a pass on that one. And and bottom line is, if we are honest, we're going to say, you know what? I can't trust a person who sometimes hits me 
Mm. And then sometimes tells me that he loves me. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just not going to work. And we think that somehow this is a different category of, of relationship. And, uh, and we're back to trying to please him. So if we can just do this right and just do enough of it, and then we're back to comparing because we're not doing it as much as that person. And then we're contrasting, you know, well, look, uh, if I could just touch enough people, then it would validate that I'm acceptable and I'm okay. You know, and it all goes back to the, all the lies that exist inside the human soul. Here's, here's a verse for you. It comes from Peter, and it's First Peter chapter 1, and it's the section somewhere at 6 through 9 or 9 through 11 or somewhere right there. And it says this, you have a faith that is being tested by fire. And that's a good statement. That is, fire is intended to purify, it's restorative, and so you have a faith that is being tested by fire, a faith that is worth more than gold that perishes. And now, you are receiving, that's process language, you are receiving the goal of this faith, the object, the telos is the word. You are receiving what this faith is aiming toward. You are now receiving it. And you know what it says? The healing of your soul. Hmm. And the word salvation and the word healing are the same word. The word healing is there. So the goal of this faith is to heal your soul. That means you matter. How you look at things what makes you laugh, your imagination, your creativity, your emotional responses, all of those things matter. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, climb into the middle of that, your soul, with the express purpose of healing you so that you can be everything you were intended to be, united to everything that God is, and never displacing you. In fact, for you to become more human, more alive, more yourself, is absolutely the desire of God. Because in that freedom will be true relationship. And true relationship means true love. Okay, Paul, we have like a a minute till we have to take another break. Uh, So much here. Um, Talking a lot about this performance thing. And you see a lot today, because this is hard to grab around to just go, I am loved. God is good. um, and, And, you know, that God climbs into the shack with me. Because so much of our world, even in our Christian culture, um, our worth is measured by the doing and the numbers and how, our, the platform and how many speaking and what, uh, what all that. I mean, that really is, even in the Christian culture, that is the measuring stick of success and, yeah. um, and, and how God is using you. Because obviously God is using you huge. But, but yeah, <laughs> We're back to using things. language, okay? Exactly. Okay, so when we come back, let's talk a little bit about that because that's what trips us up a lot of times is that whole performance thing is so so powerful and has such a stronghold on us and and what you're saying is we just got to dissolve that and just be so when we come back we'll be right back yep. with William Paul Young This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Bye. Try it. 
Nightcap Radio, 10 p.m. to midnight with Christy and Laura on Toginet.com. Broadcasting from their scrappy kitchen in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. They've got nothing better to do than riff with their favorite Brooklyn-based independent vendors, artists, bands, bartenders, foodies, weirdos, and news stories. Featuring the live studio audience. Betty Rehab and the Gaybors. Sex, sex and dating commentary with the impersonal. The unknown political biased man. Ooh. And people who kind of know stuff. Stream on after your long week. Brooklyn's variety show of madcap intellectualism. Friday Nightcap Radio with Lauren Christie, 10 to midnight Eastern on Toginet.com. Radio like you've never seen. Have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to Girlfriend It with Patty and Lisa. And we are talking with author William Paul Young. He's the author of The Shack. And we've been, I don't know, there are so many things that we are unpacking here. But we've been talking about that um, as Christians, so many times we move forward on our performance. And uh, one of the things I, I'm, I'm hearing you say over and over again that um, we keep feeling like, um, help me here with, <laughs> with, 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 with performing. I, I, I just want to get back to that. I love what you said about today is a day of, of grace and that we sometimes take it for granted and we just don't capture the joy in the moment and being in the moment, actually in the moment. And we just had this conversation with a girlfriend who has dealt with abuse in her childhood. And she said the exact same thing. She's just waiting for the shoe to fall. She can't experience the joy when she's in a good place. Even if it's, you know, taking her kids to Disneyland, she really can't be in the moment because she knows, okay, but tomorrow something bad's going to happen. And so how do we get out of that? I mean, we can talk about it and go, yeah, we, we can't move forward and, and come from that legalistic background of, you know, performance. Then how do we, how do we change that? A, a lot of it is just to begin to have the conversation in the first place. You know, most of us grew up in a religious environment where these things are just assumed. It's just like, this is all we know. All we know is a God who has this big plan that I inevitably am going to fail. You know, 
maybe there are some people out there who are, you know, these type A personalities and quote-unquote leaders and all that kind of stuff, and maybe they don't fail once in a while, you know. It becomes obvious that obviously somebody didn't make the grade. But, but again, I'm comparing myself to an imagination of somebody else. But it's based mm-hmm. on things that we assume. So we assume that God is a transactional God, distant and judging our performance and relating to us based on our performance. And we even have the scriptures to back it up because we were told them when we were growing up and everything is about performance. And so we don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. So we all bring to the table what we got. And most of the time, inside the religious conversation, this is what we got, is performance. That's all we know. And it's all we've ever known. And so to begin to, to, begin to even consider that God's affection for me, that I am not uh, powerful enough to change it, because I think I can, see, under performance, I think I can, mm. I can affect God's affection and approval. Here, let me do this for you. This is really cool. So I could ask you, give me a list. Give me a list of all the things that you feel separate you from God's love. And then give me a list of all the things that you believe separate you from God's love. And you'll come up with a whole list. You know, and I've done this a couple times lately with groups of friends. And, and there'll be a, this huge list of things that you feel, you know, that you just feel effectively separate you. And you'll come up with a list of things that you believe. And the and majority of them are definitely performance-based. And then let me read you this, these two little simple verses out of Romans 8. And everybody quotes, you know, the one verse, every, you know, God works all things together for good, and et cetera, et cetera. But how about these two verses? Paul says, I'm going to give you my list. Here are the things that cannot separate you from the love of God. Life and death are the first two. So life can't separate you from God's love, and death can't separate you from God's love. And in that list is every created thing. It's part of the list. There is no created thing that can separate you from God's love. Mm. So what do you do with that? Well, it should shatter some uh, of our quote-unquote theology of separation. So the, the only thing that can, and it doesn't even actually separate us, but it gives us the imagination of separation, is exactly that. When we believe that our performance, good or bad or whatever, either separates us or draws us closer to God or pushes us away, that imagination we will then experience as if it were real, even though it's absolutely a delusion. Hmm. And a lot of us, we live in a delusion. We live in a delusion about the character and nature of God. We live in a delusion about who we are as human beings. We, deliver, we live in a delusion about what, what uh, is the passing grade. We live in an imagination. None of these things are defined. And, and we can, as religious people, we can find words like destiny or evangelism or mission or service. We can take empty words and fill them, not with definition, but with a sense of expectation 
and then fail to live up to them. And we live in a sense of failure. It, it's not about being a mom. It's not about waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning, dog dead tired, taking care of our sick child. It's about, no, we've got to do something spiritual that then validates who we are. And I'm saying that is absolute rubbish. That is absolute rubbish. This is about participation. This is about relationship. This is about a God whose affection is so powerful that I can't change it. Mm. Well, Paul, you know what? We're Gosh, there's just so much in, in this. Um, we just so appreciate your time that you've given us today and how you're always so generous with coming on our show and just sharing your heart because we know that you are a busy man. Um, and you've given us so much to think about, even, you know, just highlighting the relationship part. And that just exudes in your book about the relationship where you're talking about, you know, with, with God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit and Mackenzie and just it, the shack so much is about relationship. We know that you're working on a new project, a new novel right now. Can you kind of share with our listeners where, what's what's going what's happening now what you're working on and a little bit of background how do you come up with how did you come up with what your new novel will be about (laughs) who knows you know (laughs) a little bit of lunacy never hurts and uh um you know i'm right in the middle of the line editing process in the novel now which means that the novel is done i'm now working my way back through it and fixing i have help uh, with the editing side, the grammatical stuff and the punctuation and all that. And uh, so the, it's called Crossroads, and it'll be out. Uh, target date is November 13th. And um, so that's coming out November 13th. Uh, and it's a fiction. It's the same genre, totally different story. Kim, my wife, actually likes it better than The Shack. So that's mm-hmm. cool. And, um, and uh um, then in October, there's uh, the publisher came uh, with 365 quotes from the shack and asked if I would write a daily reflection with mm-hmm. regard to each of those quotes. And that comes out October 6th. And then my friend, theologian uh, Baxter Kruger's book comes out October 16th, which is uh, Revisiting the Shack, which is an absolutely stunningly beautiful uh, book uh, with regard to and he's a Mississippi storyteller, theologian, trained in Aberdeen, Scotland. And uh, and the book is absolutely beautiful. And that comes mm-hmm. out kind of looking through the shack at what's behind it and uh, through storytelling. And it's incredible. So that comes out. It's called Revisiting the Shack. That comes out October 16th. So kind of a busy fall that we're looking at. And, you know, I've, I've thought about the idea for a long time. For me, creativity is like a river. And, and I had to get to the place where I trust that it's a river, not something that I'm supposed to dam up and then sell, you know, vials of water as commodities for identity and worth and value and significance and security and meaning and purpose. And, uh, and that it's, it'll be there. And, you know, I, I live a very simple and, and, and quite easy life. And it has nothing to do with the shack or any of that kind of stuff. If I was back still shipping out soldering tips and cleaning toilets, I would be absolutely good, content, and if I did that the rest of my life, I'd be absolutely fine. So I'm not driven by the external kinds of agendas that I grew up with, and uh, and my life has simplified tremendously. And I, you know, to play with grandbabies and whatever. But so you know, well, I don't know if I'll be here tomorrow. So I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying the grace of today. You truly live 
a contented life. And that really is a goal for so many. And it's very attractive. And it just comes out your pores as you're talking. Um, and love how, because so many times you see where people have such a runaway uh, hit or success that like that happened to you and it, it changes them, it alters them and it has not seemed to affect you at all. And that is, that is very encouraging and to see that. And, and just in the few minutes time that we have left, okay, you're talking about, you simplified your life looking from, from this perspective, looking at you going, okay, listing all the things that are coming out. You, you've, I know that you've been on the speaking circuit. People are, you're in demand it seems like your life, you could say, I live a, a super complex life. I don't even know how to arrange my daily schedule. What does a simplified life look like to you? How have you been able to simplify that? And do you have a routine or something that you kind of follow to keep it that way? And we have less than two minutes for you to explain <laughs> all of that to us. And again, sure. thank you for being with us. And we'll have people be able to contact you. How do they contact you? So give us all of that as we wrap it up. Okay. Um, simple website, which I hardly ever write on, but I need to, and I'd like to, but who knows, <laughs> is uh, windrumors.com. Um, email address, WPY for William Paul Young, 2008 at Gmail. Uh, let's see. I have no routine. I have no uh, daily agenda. I've never been disciplined enough to have a quiet time in my entire life, <laughs> have any consistency. Um, my relationship with Father, Son, Holy Spirit is dynamic and fluid. That means there's no rules and no formulas, and I, I, and I love it. And, and it's easy. It's a relationship. So, um, uh, again, there's grace of today. Uh, the simplicity is staying inside that grace. Everything else is just imagination. Um, celebrity and all that kind of stuff is just a myth. It's created by the world and the, and, uh, the religious subculture to give value based on some imaginary criteria of who knows what, and it's all performance-based. It's not real. And, um, and so none of those things uh, do I derive identity or worth or value or significance. I get to participate. And, you know, and here's what I'll end with. I have this conversation with God, and Papa says, So, um, Paul, uh, your venture or mine, uh, I'll go with you on yours because I'll never abandon you or forsake you, but if I go with you on yours, I'm not doing anything. Mm, and, uh, and, yeah, I do too. And, and I want to be on an adventure. I want to be surprised. I like that. And uh, that's the grace of one day. Thank you for being on this adventure. It's Girlfriend at Radio. It's Patty and Lisa. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show designed.